Welcome to The Routine by Rockpool, a podcast series bringing you personal stories and powerful insights from leading entrepreneurs, athletes, and creatives, helping you to unlock your true potential. At Rockpool, we're passionate about helping guys on their path to looking and feeling their best selves. We believe that a thoughtful routine and positive habits, when practiced consistently, hold the key to unlocking the mindset to do amazing things. We've set out on a mission to meet and spend time with dynamic, creative, and successful guys to observe their daily routine and look for insights to the tools and tactics that they use to propel themselves forward. Today, we are speaking with a leader of the fitness community here in Dubai. Marcus Smith is an entrepreneur and endurance athlete. Uh, Marcus founded in 2008 Innerfight. Uh, Innerfight is more than a gym. It's a health and performance company delivering increased human performance across many platforms, including strength, conditioning, personal performance, uh, corporate performance and motivation, endurance programs, and so much more. We're here today with Marcus Smith. Thank you very much for coming in. Thanks a lot, guys. Marcus, welcome. Thank you. <laughs> here today, as always, with co-founder of Rockpool, uh, Mr. Zubair Timur. How's it going, Leith? You um, good? I'm very good. I'm very good indeed. Um, so yeah, it's we're it's the it's the beginning of November. Yeah. Um, so we're going to get this out um, pretty soon. Um, but for us at Rockpool, this is something quite special. It's the very first um, November that we've uh, been open, um, and we're launching our uh, November month of wellness. Yeah. Uh, all based around um, men's health, the ideas the the ideas of uh, mental wellness, uh, mental health and physical health. So, you know, the timing is absolutely perfect yeah. to, have, to have you in the, oh, in the you. studio. Um, and you're also participating in a little bit of our content for the, for the month as well, so we appreciate yeah, we, that as we, well. We should preface that a little bit um, <laughs> in a nice way. Is that you guys are, as Rockpool, from what I understand, a new company, whether it was a new concept, but you're a new company. And I'm not, I work for me. I don't work for these guys, anyone listening. But what you guys are doing to support men at this early part of your journey. You could be super focused in all of your efforts in making sure people are buying online and being out there hustling to selling. And all I've seen in the last month from you, Leith, is hustling to create good content for men. And I think that is really awesome. Yeah. So I think people should really respect that from the start. I don't know. That, you that, could cut that bit yeah, as well yeah. if you want. But we appreciate that because the ethos behind Rockpool is wanting to contribute back to yeah. the environment. Yeah. And when you set up a company, one of the values, the tent poles that Leif was very clear on from the get-go was it has to be more than a business selling stuff, yeah. right? And I think the best way to do that is to actually engage people Correct. and to provide value, right? Yeah. And value can be you know, an article, it yeah. can be a podcast, and we hope that this will take us down that road of... But mate, you know it, like the last, you've been in Dubai for 10 years, everyone just enters the market and from day one, it's just like hammering, buy, 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 buy. You can't not open like Instagram without sponsored ads. Whereas I love the fact that you guys are going completely down a different route. Maybe in the end you'll have to hammer us for sales. But anyway, I think the value that you're giving is and tying in with this whole November thing. I think it's epic. That's great. That's I great. thought that's important for people to hear. Now we appreciate that. Because you can't say that yourselves, but I can say it for you. <laughs> we'll pay you later, mate. Yeah. <laughs> well, basically, like I just wanted to like maybe give this a little bit of context, yeah. um, a little bit from my side, I would say. So I've been in Dubai for 10 years, about in 10 years as well. How long have you been in, in, in town for? <laughs> a lot longer. I think I'm 38 now. Yeah. 1983 we came. 
Oh, wow. Mm. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm. Okay, well, well, we'll get to that in, <laughs> right, in your backstory. Second life sentence. Right? <laughs> <laughs> There's actually a funny story around that, but we'll, we'll, go, we'll do it off air. <laughs> so we're going we're to come back and hold you to that, to that story. But essentially, like for, for me, I started my entrepreneurial journey here in Dubai. Yeah. Um, and for anyone who's sort of familiar with the, with the phrase of, you know, starting a business is a little bit similar to jumping off a cliff and mm. building the airplane as you come down and, you know, as, as fun and exciting and, and almost cool that sounds, mm. you know, it does come with a lot of stress. Yeah. Uh, it comes with um, like a roller coaster of emotions that range from euphoria one day to terror the very next morning. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I very quickly came to the idea of like a lot of this, you know, I can control or oh, I need to, I need to control it, yeah. you know, and the, the power of the positive mindset yeah. um, in in my life is is really important to allow me to sort of be looking at things through the right eyes. Yeah. Um, so th- it's it's not almost uh, an origin story to Rockpool, but it's definitely something that you know is pretty deep in in, in inside me to think sure. like you know it's so important for us to be um, to have the positivity to look at our challenges and keep them sort of like where they need to be you know below. So we can look over and see our, uh, the vision of where we want to be. Yeah. So as part of that, it's like I, I, I quickly learned that, you know, the body was extremely important to, to getting this mindset. Um, so, so, yeah, so I've been watching your career and watching your content for, yeah. for the last few years and I've always been inspired by it. Um, so today I think what, what we're going to talk quite a lot about is this idea of, you know, the positive mindset. Yeah. Um, the mental strength, um, and how you can use that to sort of like live the most fulfilled life. Yeah. So, yeah, and I think I've got the perfect person to speak about a lot of the stuff that, that I'm <laughs> interested see, in. Mate. So, so are we, is it okay if we start from, from the beginning? Yeah. <laughs> you said we've got an hour and you want to start from the beginning. <laughs> Holy shit. I'll do my best, bro. <laughs> Uh, isn't it? <laughs> I thought you were Australian at first, but, but that's not the case. It's not the case. No, mate. I was, uh, I was born in 1978, actually just outside London. And we lived there for four years. And actually, the, I think the, between the age of three and four, my, my dad actually worked in Saudi Arabia and left my mom with my sister and I in the UK. And mom's like, I've had enough of that. You need to come home now. And he came home and he told her, yeah, I've come home, but we're moving to Dubai. And yeah, that's when we got here in 1983. Oh, wow. So that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of where it all, I guess, started. Well, that's fascinating because we've had Dan from the Surf House on, uh, yeah. on on the podcast before and he's he's a yeah. Dubai yeah. Dubai kid. Yeah. Were you growing up in that same circle? Do you, do you know that? Um, so I guess my story is a little bit different. That I, So I was here at school from when I was four till, till when I was nine and I wasn't, I wasn't, I don't know if anyone's very focused at that age group. Like mom always says, you're a bad kid at school. Like which six-year-old is a good kid at school? And anyway, long story short, there there wasn't that many schooling options. And my parents were struggling to see where I would go to school next. There was only Dubai College and, and Rashford School for Boys. And they decided that it was a good idea for my sister to go to boarding school in the UK. And about four months later, so she went when she was 12 and about four months later, when I just turned nine, I went to boarding school in the UK and it's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because it's like, oh my God, like I was nine years old and I left home. And, but I think it's equally as hard for, for me and for my parents. And when I look back at it now, 
they actually stayed here for, for about 20 years and everything they did was to support us. Like dad moved here and mum agreed to move here. I mean, in the 80s, it was crazy. You know, you, you, you can't get mainline brands. Like Cadbury's chocolate wasn't available as, as an example. Like you, you just couldn't get so many things. You, like now, if you can't get like the organic extra this, that or the other, like you freaking out because we're like, Dubai's a modern city. Well, Dubai wasn't a modern city then. So yeah, it's, it's, it's been an interesting ride, but I, I can now, and I've pieced it together for, for a number of years. Like everything mom and dad did was to give us the best start in life and the best chances in life. I remember, yeah, as a kid, I, I would run a lot. Dad, mom and dad would have like a running group that would meet at the house on a Monday, on a Thursday. And, you know, when I was like four or five years old, I wasn't allowed to stay with them. So you know, I'd sprint for the first 200 and, and we had a, Oh, this sounds right or not. We had a, a house boy at this stage, like a cleaner who was a male, who was basically my caretaker in a way, like nanny, super nice guy. We used to hang out the whole time. And they'd send him with us and like they'd be like, okay, go back with him now. And then I'd go back to the house and we'd know that they'd be back in like 40 minutes. And I know that it'd come from that direction across the desert. And I'd sort of sprint like 500 meters and then race them on the way back in. So this was happening when I was, when I was super young. And so I was like, I was in this environment from the start. And by the sounds of it, your father and mother were, were sporty and they're also building communities. They're yeah. building these, these run clubs and... This is where it's just so crazy because they're building a community, you know? And and I, ha I still have some pictures of a, a group of cyclists. So my dad started a cycling group and that cycling group kind of still functions in Dubai now, just under a little bit of a different name. And, you know, the, the day that they had like the most, there was like eight guys outside Suffer Park and exactly the same habits that we keep now. So like Dubai Roadsters meet at like 5 or 6 a.m. on a Friday morning, go ride like 100K, you know, and my dad and his mates used to do that, but they used to have all the roads to themselves. So it's exactly right, mate. It's, it's health and community. And I guess that's why a lot of things, we, people are like genetics or learned, and actually a lot of it's learned. Like I learned from a young age to run. I learned from a young age about community and I did it over and over because it was what my parents showed me. And then building on it, going into boarding school was exactly the same. So like straight into a, a dormitory where, you know, I had to share with, with, with eight other boys at nine years old, you know, and we're all in the same boat. We're all crying our eyes out on the first night of term because our parents have, are not there and we're not going to see them for three months. And, it's freezing cold. It was in the north of England. You know, I, I've come from Dubai. I've lived here since the age of four. I didn't even remember what the UK was like. And I've gone back to north of England in January in this house, which is like a haunted house. And, you know, there's no carpet. It's just like this, um, I guess it's just like plastic lino flooring. And I'm in a bunk bed with all these blokes, like blokes, like other boys. I don't know. I'm like, what the hell has just happened? Yeah. And I'm not going to see mom and dad for three months. Yeah. So a lot of it sort of, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a, it's been a wild ride, but yeah, so we, we were, we played football, we played rugby as well. And, and then in summer, what's supposed to be summer, we, they introduced me to cricket, which I mean, what a game, you know, it's freezing cold and they, they, they give you these pads and this like two inch pieces of wood. And then some guy runs at you as fast as he flipping can and throws this cannonball at you. And that's supposed to, I'm like, guys, what is this? So yeah, that's where I sort of started all, all, all my team sports stuff. And 
obviously, as I've probably just explained, didn't really gravitate too much towards the cricket, but loved playing rugby. And, and because I'd run, I loved running as well. And now I got to do it through through fields and, you know, through little streams and it was wet through and always raining. And I, I loved it from the start. It was freezing cold, but it was, yeah, it was, Honestly, like I reflect a lot on on my youth and the opportunity and and those different things you picked up on one right there, mate. Like the community side of it, the sports side of it, and it is one of the things that I speak to probably parents about the most these days because I get a lot of parents who are like, "Oh, my kid's suffering from X, Y, or Z." Yeah, can you talk to them? No, but I'd like to speak to you. Tell me what what the environment's like. No, no, everything's obviously not great. Your 12-year-old is 15 kilos overweight and can't run. Why? It's your fault. It's really savage, but it's like, you hold the keys. Oh, no, but he uses his lunch money and buys chocolate. Go fix it. Stop giving him lunch money, and then he can't buy the chocolate. And it's a difficult one. I'm not a parent, and, you know, and I don't plan on being a parent, but you look at some of these things that are quite fundamental in, in and probably when all three of us were growing up, and you're like, where, the, where things are going now is, is... And one thing, one thing that I've sort of ob- observed and I'm, I'm in a couple of chats we've had, but also uh, through, through your sort of routine that you share online is, you know, you've got discipline. Yeah. Um, a lot of people would probably benefit from, from that sort of discipline no matter where they got it from. Um, was that, is it fair to say that you, you had that at home already with, from your parents? You, you took it from the, from the school as well? Yeah. And what about when you went started getting through to your sort of competitive sports, sporting cool. career? Mum and Dad were quite strict with me, but I was still bad. <laughs> That's why I went to boarding school. And then you have no choice. And, you know, this probably sounds a little bit sort of old school, but you guys think back to the way that, you behaved in school to what we hear about what's happening in schools now. It was quite different back then. And I, I don't agree with everything that happened. Like, you know, I, I had more chalk dusters thrown at me and, and hit me on the eyes than I know what to do with. And it's probably not the right way, but we have to find a way to discipline people, you know, and we have to, we, we're almost living in a, and Dubai is a crazy melting pot for it because we have so many different nationalities. But it's like, what are the rules? You know, a guy was telling me this morning, he said, oh, I walked down the canal the other day and I saw a guy and he let his dog off the lead and the policeman came and fined him 400 dirhams. And I was like, good. He's like, what do you mean good? That's terrible. I was like, was there a sign? Yes. So what, what's wrong with that? You know, and... Dubai is terrible for it. Like, if you can't find a parking space, you park in the middle of the street. Like, we've almost forgotten how to behave as human beings just through, you know, a complete lack of discipline on on a number of different levels. So I think it's the key, mate. And it, it's, you know, it's it's a, a simple question that we, we debate a lot. And, and we were talking about it the other day. Is like, what comes first, motivation or discipline? And everything, discipline comes first. And I've had our coaches, you know, 15 coaches that work with us, and like they're arguing, no, no, you've got to be motivated, and then you get disciplined. I'm like, surely not. Like, surely it's discipline. Like, and I'm not saying I've got it right. My opinion was quite strong. But it's like, 
discipline. That's, it, that's in, it's interesting to to hear you sort of debating that with your with your team. Yeah, because I you know I know the power of routine, for yeah. example. Yeah. And looking at November, we've got this calendar of events coming up, and I'm really hoping a lot of people get involved because it can change their life. Yeah. But at the same time, what comes first, the motivation to get involved or getting up once, twice, the discipline to do so, yeah. and then you're in it? It's interesting, mate, because as I said at the start, I think what you guys are putting out there will give people a lot of motivation because you, you're, as a brand, you're giving people all these tools. You're investing so much time and, and you can put a price tag on that on everything. You're giving them the tools. And for some people, that's almost... I would almost look at it as the inspiration to to do. So you're giving them different things. There still needs to be this discipline to actually when the alarm goes off. Like, and it's not a lot of what we're looking at now in the world is 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 actually superficial external motivation. What I really encourage people to do is look at what's inside. Because actually you you have all the answers. You guys are, are provoking thought and provoking emotion and provoking a certain amount of motivation. That's, that's what we do as well. That's what I do through my Instagram. That's what I do. But that person, if it's going to be sustainable, they've got to open this guy up and literally go deep inside. And this is the hardest thing to do. Like, it's so difficult. But when you do it, then the routine, like you said, and, like, I don't feel like I'm exercising discipline to wake up at half four every morning. Just my life. You know, and then it becomes a subconscious behavior. Mm. I read a blog post from your, uh, from your website and on the, on the story of your life, I think I'm yeah. skipping something and yeah. I, would, I would love to hear about the, the rugby more. But yeah. there was one, one article you wrote about um, working. You, it was, you were sort of describing before you launched your own business by yeah. the sounds of it. Yeah. Um, and you were sort of going through... They're almost the um, sacrifices that you were willing to make. But again, it, it just flipped back to discipline yeah. um, to, to, to give up these sort of short-term yeah. um, uh, pleasures yeah. because you had a bigger vision in, in mind. <laughs> Was that the article entitled, I built my business whilst you were at brunch? That's it. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it. I got so much interesting feedback, a lot of it negative from that article. Was it a real person or it's a group of people that sort of you created a persona uh, that you were? They, were? they were a group of people. I mean, it's, it's simple and, and I'm, I wouldn't say I'm not proud, but I'm not also embarrassed. Like when I, if, if, I, if I give this some context of timeline, so I set up my brand in a fight in 2008. I made it my full-time job in, in, in 2010. Today we have a gym and a cafe and for all intents and purposes, we're a, we're a functional fitness gym. We have an endurance section with a simple vision to make people better at life. That's what that's what we do. I'm and, a coach. And, and the leader, I think it's great. Uh, thank you. <laughs> it's difficult for me to say that, but I don't. Yeah, mate. I don't think anyone. I think anyone that spends time with us would also say no one does things like you guys do it. So we, we're we're a little bit different. Until that point, I was a. I was heavily involved in the, in the rugby scene. And that's another product of, of my environment as a kid because my dad played rugby and he was a very successful rugby player. When I was very young, I was put into minis and, and it escalated. And you know, I, I used to get paid to play and, and it, was my, it was my job. 
And I came back to Dubai, having done two seasons down in Australia and, and some work in, in the UK playing. And I went back into a local rugby club where I was, I was one of the better players and playing for me was easy. It wasn't a problem. What I started to do was I started to help other players, but I also still enjoyed everything that came with rugby, which is, it's fun. Playing rugby with your mates, having a few beers, singing songs, and whatever happens, like, I used to love it, and, and it was a huge part of my life. I realized in, when I was setting up the brand in 2007, 2008, that it goes back to what you said, you're some of the five people you hang around. And I realized that I didn't, I was working for Adidas, I had a really, really good job for Adidas, I was a sales director, I started as a literally T-Boy's assistant, and I kind of worked my way up. And I realized that if I wanted to execute my vision, which was to help other people, which is exactly what the company vision is today, I would have to make changes. And that's exactly what happened. So the people I refer to in that article are, some of them are still at brunch, which is totally fine by me. It's my choice to do what I do. A lot of people, a lot, a lot of people are not like the three guys sat around this table that want to build a business. A lot of people are super happy working a nine to five job, which brings them a lot of satisfaction from nine to five, pays them a great salary and the whole weekend hanging out with mates and having a good time and being 15 kilos overweight and having heart disease at 55 and dying at 60. So a lot of people, that that's a great life. I realized it wasn't what I wanted to do. And I wrote that article actually in about 2010. And then I tweaked it last year and I published it because I think it's more prevalent now than ever before that there is, in, in, you guys will definitely have some thoughts on this, in building a business and not only building a business, but making a difference in the world, there is no button for it on a smartphone. There is no instant gratification. You can't Uber it, whereas everything else you can. And we get stuck in this such a rut of, you know, I can get everything right now here. Whereas I used to be in boarding school. I'd wake up at one in the morning, starving, dreaming of this barbecue that my dad used to cook in the house in Dubai. And I knew I wouldn't get, like, we, didn't even, we weren't even allowed water in our dormitory. And there was no way to get it. I couldn't go wake up the matron. Oh, matron, I'm thirsty. Can I have water? Like, I'd literally get caned for it. You know, and I'm like, there has to be sacrifice. And that was, I, I made a decision and I stopped hanging out with the rugby guys. And it was hard because it's so much fun. Like, having a few beers, singing songs, telling, like, telling stories. Like, we were never bad. Like, okay, we got into a bit of trouble, but, you know, we have jail or never did anything bad and you know living in dubai there's no you know alcohol is about where it finishes or is, is really where it finishes unless you want to spend time in jail you know so it's 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 all pretty harmless but i was like there's something else you know and 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 that's where that yeah, that's where that sort of blog post article came from no it's great and we've had richard fitzgerald uh, on the podcast yeah, as yeah. well and you know, it's it's interesting. You know, a lot of people see the the finished product, but, yeah. but they rarely hear the story of the sacrifices that go on and go into, um, and the discipline. 
Yeah. It comes, and it, it comes back to discipline. Yeah, totally, mate. Um, yeah. So the next thing about, I guess, for the inner fighter, me being a Dubai resident, and, yeah. you know, so whether it's when I'm down at Kite Beach or, or um, Sunset Beach or whether I'm at a, a healthy cafe or yeah. whether I'm out at Al Qudra, you know, it's testament to see how many people are, are <laughs> repping your brand. Yeah. And, I've, and I'm a business owner. I've owned and launched brands before. Yeah. The idea of someone wearing a brand that I created yeah. so proudly and more so than just aesthetically, like they're representing the values and you can see, yeah. and you can see it. Yeah. You can see it. So I guess like kudos to you. Thank you, mate. Massive uh, success uh, in doing such, such a thing. But what is this idea for you, um, community? And then how, did, how, how conscious of, of this were you at the beginning and, mm. and, and how conscious are you of it now? It's funny, mate, because I never see it the way you've just described it, even though I see them everywhere. And I never, I, I, I don't know, it's a really difficult feeling to describe because I never look at the shirt and I go, I made that. And I think the moment I do that, I'm on the downhill slope to failure. I look at the shirt and I'm like, they made it. All I did was create a platform that was different, which was a gym and a mindset and a way of a way of executing physical health and also mental health and well-being. And we let the right people in. Not the right people. I mean, yeah, some people we've we've asked kindly to leave because they're not in the right mind space, or we've asked them to change their mind space. So when I see it on a scale like that, and you know. Sometimes I think, I'm like, oh, I've got 15 coaches working for us. I've got like 100 clients over there and 100 clients over there. And, you know, some weekends we've got clients racing endurance sports in, in four different countries. Like, how did that happen? <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm just like, wow. But I never, I didn't do it. I, I made a framework and then the coaches and the staff and the actual clients themselves did it because it's quite a, I think it's quite a powerful thing. And it's almost like a surrendering in a way when you buy your first inner fight t-shirt and we don't give them away ever. Like literally, it's not like Laith, mate, you, I know you're in a hole when you got here, but you know, you've done three months and I just want to congratulate you with this t-shirt. No. You go and you buy it. Like, this is what's crazy. And I don't want to sound stingy about that. I'm like, I, I don't need to sit here and justify the stuff that we do for free, but we do a truckload of stuff for, for, for different charities, Emiratis, or a whole spectrum. And you go and buy the T-shirt because you found something that your values align with. And this is human nature. We're, we're, we we need to belong to something. Dubai is incredibly transient. You know, we, you guys have been here 10 years. You've had people that you got close to leave. You've had businesses or cafes that you like to use that have shut down. It's super transient. And the main connection point actually for a lot of people is, is, is entertainment. That's why brunches are so successful because you can go to a brunch and you can feel like you've got 50 mates and you can feel like you're having a really good time. But actually, you wake up on a Saturday morning 
and you just feel horrendous and you're empty. And because of my rugby background, what I wanted to do was I wanted to make fitness, the gym, the endurance team, which it's even more mind blowing what my endurance coaches have done because they've taken a sport of the sport of endurance, triathlon, ultra running, running, whatever it is, which is an absolute individualistic sport. And they've made it a team sport. And they've brought people together to do amazing things. And to be honest, to answer your question, mate, yes, it was completely conscious. Everything I think about, I'm like, how can we help these people have a support network to get better? But this is really as a product of, of how we started, which was I started helping one guy. And when I helped this one guy, and I used to run 2K from my house to his house, train him for free for a couple of years. Actually, he's never paid. <laughs> Nothing against him. And then I'd run home and people would see that he was getting better. He lost 30 kilos. His relationship got better. His work got better. And they wanted in. Like, wow, now I'm going to get up and there's two guys there. Now those two guys are going to get up and there's two guys there. And now the two guys become three guys, four guys. And then it becomes so, and then I'm like, hang on. We take the rugby environment and the brotherhood that we had and we spread it. We, I can make this. And you, something that I'm also, this might sound weird the way I might say it, but I'm also super passionate about females because I saw a lot of problems for them as well. It's like, why can't they lift weights? Why can't they work mm. out? But, but if I may, like, yeah. there's probably 500 gyms in Dubai, and there's like at least yeah, <laughs> and there's probably fifteen hundred people out there who are training people and like making them lose weight and you know making them feel the endorphins of of doing exercise and things like that. But I think yours goes further, and I think I think you know you whether you're yours, I think you do know, mm. but like you you have this leadership ability and you have this ability to, um, you've somehow captured it this positive mindset and strength of, of character. Yeah. And then you're able to, to share it with these people and the, these people as part of your, your community, mm. your, 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 your trainers and then to your, um, your, uh, the people who train there. That's what I mean. Like when I see people um, wearing your shirts, I see mm. them not just telling, telling me subconsciously, hey, I do exercise. No, they're like, yeah. I bought into something higher. Yeah, yeah. But it's, mate, it goes back to, it also goes back to what you said. Like, it's not about money. And it's like, that's what I said about like, I sound like an idiot, but I get half a dozen different approaches a week for stuff on Instagram. But you guys approach me in a different way. And we spent, since then we spent like, this is like the fourth hour. They <laughs> spent more time with Leif in the last week than I spent with my wife, you know what I mean? But it, why? Because you're not just saying, here's a promo code, go. Have, of so many, and, and, and whether for right or for wrong, you know, and, and it's, I'll never know, but I'm happy with what we're doing, you know. Gary V and, and, and VCs are all, scale, scale, scale. And Angel and Ver By scale, it's not special anymore. We could have clubs all over the place. You know, and any business guy, oh, you could make millions. How many millions? And then do what? Buy another car I don't need? Go, why? Why not take our community and we're active at any one time 
four to five hundred. Active members, four to five hundred. We're making 500 people's lives. I genuinely believe infinitely better. They, they might not consciously understand it right now, and that might sound a little bit arrogant. They don't realize the hour that they have with us, what impact it's having on their life. Until sometimes it takes six months, sometimes it takes a year where they sit down because they're going so fast and they're so distracted with everything else. And then they sit down, they're like, that's actually really good. What did I change? And then they start to add it up. So it's, it's, it's really an interesting thought process. And, and it's, it's quite a difficult one as well because, you know, I, I work for Nike. I was a sales director for Nike. I, I, and, and, and for Adidas, I could have been there for life, you know, and share options and this and that and the other. But I think, and you guys all know this because you've started businesses. Sometimes, and I don't care, if you want to exit, if you want to enter a business and, and you want to take it from A to B and you want to exit and that's, that makes you super happy and that makes you uh, motivated, disciplined, sleep at night, tick all your goals, I'm with you. And I, I would love to help you in, in any way, shape or form. But our stuff is a lot more, less, I guess, it, for someone who's quite sort of structured and, and often numbers driven, a lot of our stuff is, it's hard to touch it. It's hard to really, like, how, how have we really made you better? Like, start to describe to me. And how do you measure that? Because you come in today and I'm like, how do you feel, mate? Yeah, I feel good. Well, what are you doing here? But inside, I know that you feel like shit. Not you. <laughs> but, you know, like someone will come and yeah, generally I'm all right. I just want to. Two weeks later, this is broken. That's broken. <laughs> it's funny sometimes because we're almost like, we we getting like paid as like, I guess like fitness instructors, personal trainers or whatever. But because of the way that our brand has evolved and our values and our vision, we actually spend more time. Like I spend more time reading books about self-development and not just like what's on the top 10 bestseller books. Like I try not to read those. I went, I went one day into the Japanese bookstore, Kiki Canal, whatever it was, and I'd read every book in the top 10 bestseller. I was like, I'm doing something wrong. I need to go somewhere else where all the others... <laughs> yeah, do you know what I mean, mate? But it's like, you know, we're helping people in ways that... You've, you've mentioned it a couple of times, mate. It's not like a normal gym. And yes, it is on purpose because you can go to any number of gyms and a lot of the time... And this is why people generally don't like working out because it's horrible. Like no one says hello. The front desk only speaks to you when your membership's due. Some guy's got big headphones on making loads of noise doing bicep curls. Like that's an awful environment. Like before we started recording, we talked about the environment that we're in today and what it means to the three of us and how it helps us buzz as young young entrepreneurs or whatever we are, you know, and it's like, how can we create an environment that people walk into and go, I want to work out, you know, when, when did you go into a fitness first and go, 
yeah, I want to work out. So speaking of environment, so one yeah. of the things that's been really interesting for me is that I've obviously met you for the first time. Yeah. And so I've had the luxury of a, <laughs> a three-hour lunch and catch-up and the rest of it, right? Yeah. Which I think is cool. And I think when I take a step back, I'm looking at this through the lens of an entrepreneur, yeah. as a fitness enthusiast, and also someone that's curious about learning. Mm. And the one word that strikes me is purpose. Yeah. Right. If you have purpose, yeah. it dictates the routine, the inspiration, the motivation. Yeah. So do you agree with that? hundred percent, mate. Like, and, and that's one of the, I think in a world of immediate gratification and the way that the world has gone very rapidly, honestly, in the last five years, we are so confused. So if you say to not only to a, a 40 year old guy or a 25 year old, it doesn't matter what. What really is your purpose? Like, what do you mean? Well, what are you here for? And I, I do this a lot with people that I mentor quite a few different people from, from various industries, you, you, you could say. Before I start, I'll ask them, you work for XYZ company. Yeah, cool. Pull up the website. It's got your vision and values of the company. Okay. You've got a week. Write me yours. What's your vision and what's your values? Because a lot of the time we don't really know. And then we go one step deeper. I was talking about this the other day. I'm like, also, write me your obituary. Uh, now, we're starting to, now we're starting to think a bit different. Because, like, I don't know if you feel the same. Like, if you ask, it's like, people don't know what their purpose is. Because it's hard. Like, it is quite hard to sit down, A, to trust someone like me, and put everything on the table. Because there's quite a lot of quite deep stuff for a lot of people. And it's not that, I don't want that to sound in, in, in a bad way, but people have had interesting childhoods. You know, they've had broken homes. They've been taught in certain ways. They've been spoken to in certain ways, which starts to breed subconscious behavior, which makes them who they are. And it's hard to break those behavioral patterns. So if nothing was spoken about in the family and I sit down and say, okay, guys, tell me why you're here. What's the purpose? Because it was never spoken about. I never spoke about that with my kids. So it makes them immediately feel uncomfortable. It's hard. And it's way easier to open Instagram and have a look at some. Yeah. And, and that's the key point towards the community that I think all of us are trying to build here is that yeah. purpose is difficult, but purpose without trust that, that is a really difficult street to be on, yes. right? Yeah. And I think finding people or environments that you trust, yes. that for me is genuine authenticity, right? That for me I is agree, actually engage, I... like really taking time to engage and unpack something. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on finding that individual, that environment where you can cultivate trust? Because trust won't happen off the back of one or two conversations. Yeah. It's actually when you're in that space where you can say, you know what, I'm really rubbish at these things. Yeah. Or this is the one thing that's really prevented me in all of my life from being yeah. successful. And the segue from that is a little bit around how to build trust, but also it's interesting that you mentioned females as well. And mm. part of my coaching within the tech space is telling someone, you know what, you have a great idea. Yeah. Like have a little bit more confidence and actually taking the steps to build that confidence incrementally. Yeah. Right. So I guess confidence, trust, your yeah. thoughts on those. I honestly think a lot of it is down to how society shapes us, which I've used quite a lot because I think we, and on that track, it's, 
it's almost like our ego. Like, it's hard to go, you know what? I'm really shit at this. Can you help me? Like, when did you last hear someone say that? Do you know what I mean? And why? Because normally we don't have that relationship, that trust that you're talking about. And we feel like if I came to you and said it, I'd be like, I'd be so vulnerable, you know, and, and um, she's just releasing a new book, Brene Brown. Like, if you haven't seen some of her stuff on YouTube, go and, like, about vulnerability. It's incredible. And it's also because so much stuff is ego-driven, I have this fear of what you're going to do with what I'm going to tell you. Are you going to use it against me? Because a lot of the time, because we're in this environment where dogs eat dogs constantly, you, and, and say Dubai is transient. And that's what I always say to, to clients and to coaches. Someone is going to walk into our gym and give you their worldly prized possession and pay you to take care of it. That's their body. They only have one and they're going to give it to you. So as a coach, personal trainer, whatever you want to call it, you have to take that from day one as an absolute gift and an offer or an invitation of what you're saying of trust. And then you have to work every day to build it. And some people, <laughs> some people are complete extroverts. They'll put everything on the table. You know, they'll walk in, I'm fat, I drink too much, my wife hates me, my kids don't like me, can you help me? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And others are quite introverted and it'll take us six months. Okay, we can tell that they're a bit fat. But then we figure out that their marriage is destroyed, that they're actually suffering from addiction to various different things. And it takes time. So it's a really difficult one, mate. But I think as well, I think our, and geez, I've been talking nonstop for 40 minutes so far. So it's, it's a little bit rich coming from me right now. But people, you can help people by just being there to listen. And one thing you two guys do super well is, is you listen. And that's why you'll be successful. But lots of people do not listen. And that makes us shut more as humans. And you can do it. You can just talk absolute shit. And just drop words in. And it's quite a sick but fun exercise. You can just drop words in or say some stuff. When you can tell someone's not listening, you can just say whatever you want. And it's just, it's highly entertaining. You know what I mean? Because we're just not, just, I just don't think we're very good at, at not listening, at, at listening to people anymore. Why? Because of the way the world is, because of the way that tech's gone, because of the way that we feel like we have to respond to people and we're driven by you know, phones and, and by tech. And that's, it comes back to some of the stuff that you're promoting within November of a little bit of disconnection. Like I challenge anyone that's listening, don't pick up your phone for the first hour of the day. See if you can do it. It's really hard. Like I find myself, I'm, I'm, guys, I'm far from perfect on all of this. Like sometimes it's hard, you know, just read your Kindle. You mean read? Yeah, just read your Kindle. Like everyone's just going, what are you talking about? You know, and, and it takes a real hard conscious effort. And this piece of, you know, I'm not missing out. I'm not, there's no FOMO. You know, there's no 
such and like such and such. I want to check my messages. Why? Because it makes your ego feel good. So I don't know if that answers the question, mate. But... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It definitely does, right? It also it gives me scope to ask a follow up because right? <laughs> <laughs> so, you listen yeah. well, <laughs> <laughs> which is around you know vulnerability, mm. especially within this space. You could call it a male environment or just a yeah. human environment. That's a really difficult concept especially when social media governs someone that's perfect, right? You see the perfect image at the perfect time. It's sequenced so that it makes you emotively react in a certain way. So for anyone listening in that's saying, you know what, like I'm inspired by this conversation. How can I tackle vulnerability? What's your input to them? I've got a few different answers to it. And I want to start off with, I, when I was younger, I used to get incredibly embarrassed in group settings when there was a school assembly, even if it was to, I remember getting school colors when I was at prep school for, for rugby and I had to go up and shake the headmaster's hand. I'd be super embarrassed and very uncomfortable. I hated presenting. I hated public speaking, I hated the whole thing. So it's almost like, I don't know, maybe I've done a, Maybe I've done a complete sort of flip on it. But I always think, like, why? Why do we feel embarrassed? Like, we're too are we worried about what people think, what they're going to say. What are we really? And it goes back to what you said. Like, what's our purpose? What are we in our purest form? And what really makes us happy? I don't know, because it's, I know what makes me happy, you know? I don't give a rats if you like my Instagram post. For sure, if I get loads of likes, I feel really good. We know why. It's dopamine. But if I get 50 likes, because if there's, if, and this is my strategy on social media, if I post something, and don't get me wrong, 50% of my website Social media and all of that is therapy for me. <laughs> Nothing to do with anyone else. Read it, read it. I, I said before when we were doing the podcast, my, my, I have a podcast, I have 750 shows. I don't have a show sponsor. I've done it for 10 years. I've not want, made one dirham from it. I do it for me. Half of the reason why I'm here today is so I can have therapy with you guys because you're going to ask me questions from a different angle and it's going to help me to get better. So it's almost like, if you get loads of likes, but your measure of success on that platform is to get loads of likes, you're doomed. But if you don't have any attachment to things, then what's the big deal? You can be at peace with it. But again, society tells us that we should get more likes. And phones are rigged in a way that it short circuits our dopamine, basically, when it starts to flash, makes us super happy. And it's not only that, the frightening thing is that it's in kids' cartoons now. So we're building kids' cartoons with psychologists of how to get kids addicted. It's a complete moral and ethical melting pot. It's a disaster. So we're actually breeding more of like trouble along the way. But to really answer your question, and this is what I say to people a lot, why do you care? And they'll answer, and they'll say, because I feel embarrassed. Why do you feel embarrassed? 
And I'm probably, I'm like that two-year-old, why, Dad? Why, Dad? <laughs> you know, Dad's driving the car. He's like, can you shut up? You know what I mean? But it's the ability to ask people, why don't you feel good when 10 people like your Instagram post? Why is that important to you? Why did you post it in the first place? Why did you start an Instagram you know, and I try to keep the context quite real for people yeah. because I think, sorry to speak a lot about Instagram, but I think a, a lot of what a lot of people are suffering these days is, is, is because of this sort of social insecurities and all of that. And people, like, they don't have the answers. Yeah. Well, one of the most beautiful things I heard the other day is we went on a work trip, took the team out to Europe, and an individual said, this is the first time since COVID I haven't checked my phone for four hours. And that was, that was an amazing thing. You could do as many workshops as you can, right? But for someone to have that self-insight at yeah. the end of it, I know, for me, that was purpose. For me, that was leadership, right? Yeah. And there's plenty of other follow-ups that I can drive with you. I mean, yeah. we could talk about ego and detachment, but yeah. I'm going to finish on one last question yeah. for handing back to Leif, which is, just for fun, what's the one question you wish you would have been asked in a podcast that you haven't so far? I'm increasingly quite i guess you could say deep about life and death which sounds a little bit morbid but <laughs> i had an interesting crash a few years ago and, and and everyone around us has a lot about death and one of the things that i spoke about actually with holly my wife we we don't we have a tv it never goes on we don't have any tv connected to it we never go to the cinema. We, she watches like Bake Off or MasterChef. I don't watch it. But we, so we talk a lot. And one thing that I asked her the other day, and this might not be, but it's on, to answer your question, is on my mind now. Like, what really happens at the end? Because I think that might help us, as it's what I said earlier about an obituary, what really happens? Ollie's like, there's not enough room up there for all of us, <laughs> you know? And we, did, we didn't, yeah, I mean, we sit and we talk and we have dinner and we, you know, I'm quite interested in that. And no one's really ever asked that. Like, because it's, I think, and, and this is another thing is that superficialism is just huge. So it's easy to, you know, we could, whoever tune into this and whatever they think about us talking about like Movember and stuff, like, and what they've got is probably like way deeper than ever. But people are not, ask, like, ask me a really hard question. You know, and, and, and another conversation we had over the weekend, you know, like evolution. Yeah, but they've got dinosaur. And then, you know, and you start to piece it together. And so I like those kind of questions, mate, you know, and, and, I mean, because everyone's like, <laughs> I mean, make life feel bad. But everyone's like, you know, what's the backstory? How did it all start? Why did you set up the business? What's that? Like, they're interesting things because it does give the conversation context to, to questions like that. But, you know, I, I have a, I have like 10 or 12 questions. I actually recorded a podcast on them the other day uh, for, for my show, which if I'm, if I just, if I'm interviewing someone, I just want to really catch them off guard. Like, so today's your last day. What would you do? 
They're like, <laughs> pretty much like when you asked me that question, mate. But it's like, why aren't we talking about those things? Like, why, don't, why do people die and we don't know what to do? Like, we're, okay, we've got wills and stuff, but what really did they want us to do with it? I don't know. It's so, mate, anything really quite messed up and deep, and I'm okay to speak about death. <laughs> Death is Halloween, right? So, yeah. Now everyone's just like, this has gone so yeah. weird. I think me and Leif will dress up as you for the next yeah. time. <laughs> we'll get some free t-shirts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, I don't know if you guys think the same. Yeah. Like, yeah. why? I mean, we spoke about it um, when, when you came to see me like, the other week. We're like, why can't we get six to eight alpha males for want of a better you know, stereotype of a male or just six to eight males in a room. And it's like, it's, it's punishable by like either a punch in the face or, or like 10 burpees. If you, if you talk about like COVID, social media, the weather, you know, all of these things that are just like the low lying fruit, like it's, it's almost nice because quickly reflecting, like when I came in here, you guys asked me, how's your day been so far? And it's like, that's cool. You know, whereas a lot of people would be like, oh, gee, it's, uh, it's, it's a bit cooler today, isn't it? Like, yeah, man, I know. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? What, what, what struck me about the conversation we had last week yeah. was I, I knew you as um, Marcus, Smith, Marcus Smith, entrepreneur, yeah. athlete, um, and we started talking about um, this sort of idea of um, the combination of, I guess, body and mind. Mm and the importance and, and, and what you can unlock once you, once you merge these two and yeah. the power of mindset. But I couldn't help but notice, you know, in some of the uh, uh, conversation was almost going towards soul. Yeah. And I felt like <laughs> this guy, Marcus, is like really um, looking into this. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and I sort of felt like, well, and I'd like to ask you perhaps, yeah. as, you know, you're on this journey, mm. both physically and, and mentally. And, and you're getting deeper and deeper, it seems, into uh, endurance mm. uh, challenges. And um, for what I could guess, you know, that gives you a real glimpse about yourself. Yeah. yeah you know, <laughs> when you're doing these great challenges, yeah. um, can you explain a little bit about that and maybe like yeah. what, it's, what it means for you, but then also the people that you help sort of along these journeys as well? I think in, in a simple way, to, to sort of kick that off, and I'll, I'll try and keep this as concise as possible so people don't get confused, but I'm going to get lost. Um, <laughs> we're, we're being taught things that are incredibly superficial, but everything is, is within us. And we look for answers like, I want to lose weight. What diet should I follow? I want to get fit. Which fitness program should I follow? All the answers are, are within us. And, but the easy answers, and, and, and I mentioned it before, the easy answers are out there. Endurance has taught me a number of different things, but the, still the greatest thing is you have to be alone with no communication with the outside world for an extremely, in some cases, long period of time in some of your, you could say most testing times. I was recently in Jordan for seven days, 
no access to the outside world. And I had to run 250 kilometers across the desert and everything that I had to fuel me, all my sleeping equipment, everything had to fit in a 15 kilo bag. It was very hot at times. It was cold at times. I was hungry at times. I was out of water at times. It forces you to address certain things and also to break the almost day-to-day, -day, like, like, I'm kind of a bit thirsty now. Okay. <laughs> like, of course, you guys have given me water. Like, this is amazing, you know? Okay, I've got 20K to go till the end, and I have 500 mils of water, and it's 35 degrees. Now what are you going to do? And I think one sort of final thing on it, so there are kind of three parts to my answer, mate. One final thing on it, which is might sound a bit crazy, but when I had my accident in 2018, I was laying on the side of the road and it was incredibly hard to breathe because on, on the impact of my accident, I'd unbeknown to me at the time, but I'd, I'd popped my left lung. It was almost like a, a beach ball just went Psh! And I'd also broken my shoulder, my scapula and, and seven ribs. So I was cycling, yeah, I was cycling on a, in the mountains. I got hit by a truck, hit a brick wall at, at 54 kilometers an hour. And there was this blood coming out of my mouth because of the, 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 the trauma to the lung. The lung started bleeding and you, you just can't breathe. You, something so simple, you just can't breathe. The pain, <laughs> if anyone's broken one rib, I don't know if it's by seven, but it's equally as painful as breaking one rib. Like, it flipping hurts. And I'm in this incredible amount of pain, and I knew that I was very far from, I was literally halfway between Sharjah and Kalba. So I knew that it was like over two hours to, to, to any rescue. And I knew that I couldn't breathe. And it was wild because my, I didn't hit my head, so my spine was all absolutely perfect. I could wriggle my fingers and my toes. And I'm laid down on the floor. Got a, a pretty big problem on our hands here. And, you know, trying to breathe. And then the truck driver got out of the truck and he started coming towards me. And he was a Pakistani guy with the, the traditional garb on. And this might sound a bit weird to some people, so I always give them that warning. It looked like a ghost. And I, that's what, that was my immediate thought. And listen, those guys, sometimes they look like ghosts. So it's not a surprise. It's not like I'm looking at, you know, a seven foot tall beanpole and going, that looks like a ghost. Like they kind of do, like without sounding rude to them. And I see straight through him. And I see the curb on the other side of the road. And as I see this curb, I'm sitting on the curb. And I can breathe. There's zero pain. Now, I've spoken about this. I've mentioned it on different shows. I've spoken about it on my own show. I've spoken about it with Holly. I don't know what happened. I believe that at that point, contrary to what you said, my soul had almost detached from my body because I was just sitting there and I was just watching everything that was going on. And there was my three other friends, the cyclists, they were trying to help me and someone else had rocked up and there's a truck driver and there's a truck and there's my bike and I'm attached to the bike and I'm sat there in complete 
And I had this thought to myself, and, and it's the title of the documentary that a good friend of mine, Jason Lewis, made for me. I was like, well, what do we do now? <laughs> like, literally, and I'm totally cool with it. Just like, what should, we, what should we have for dinner tonight, you know? And I was like, hmm, two options here. Either I stay here, dead, or I get my ass back over there and I fight for every breath. And that's why it intrigues me, mate. That's why understanding what's within the connection of, it's good sometimes to compartmentalize mind, body, spirit. Like sometimes you just need to try and disconnect the two because you wake up, the alarm's going off, your legs are absolutely fine. They're not even tired from yesterday's workout. It's your mind that just needs to shut the fuck up and let you get out and go for a run. But at that point, they were detached. But for the most part, we're human beings. We're one. We've got to work together with our mind, body, spirit, soul, whatever it is. And we've got to continuously. And this is what I put out, and I'll put it to you guys. I'll put it to everyone that's listening because I put it to my team pretty much every time we sit down. How can we do this better? And the curiosity that we should have in life to continuously say, okay, that's what happened on that day. It's not negative. We're not trying to nitpick stuff, you know, to be continued about what happened on the side of the road. I have no idea, you know, but when I think about it, I'm like, there's, we can go through life quite blinkered, you know, and, and we can get into all these different things. We've covered a lot of them today, or we can go into ourselves for a certain amount of time each day. And I think as, as males, there's a lot of males that might be listening to this that have never heard another male speak or another three males speak in the, in the way that we have because of the stigma around it. It's just my wish that, you know, people will do that. And if we have a month like November, you know, and, and, and we try and create some awareness around it and it's cool, you know, it's, it's cool to just call up someone that you <laughs> said that you actually trust or that you've built this trust with and say, bro, like, I just need some help here. They just need that, mate. They just need that. Like, we all want to be loved. That's another human element. We need that. And there's nothing wrong with it, especially as men. Like, we need it just as much. It's just just because we're men. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't have that, you know? Yeah. That's oh. fantastic. And that's, it's, it's super deep and it's, like, super... Um, it is. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. You guys are like, that's a bit heavy. Just one last follow-up. I can't, I can't help myself. <laughs> Come on, mate. Which is, like... I mean, so you mentioned like the soul, yeah. Right? And you know, I'm a man of faith, so yeah. I believe what I put out into the universe. Yeah. Hopefully, I'll get back with double yeah. credits yeah. When, <laughs> when it's time for me to go above, right? Yeah. And one of the things that's really interesting about you know working on the soul is that it's the most difficult aspect of my life by far mm. because it's not tangible. I can't read any books around it. Of course, I can read religious books, yeah, right? Sure. But the whole thought process is that you have to do small amounts of goodness yeah. on a regular basis for that to then have an impact on that, right? Yeah. And that's everything from how you treat your 
co-workers, yeah, to your yeah. family members and everything in between, but yeah. also how you react with adversity and when things aren't going so well. Because yeah. the easiest thing to happen that can damage your soul, in my opinion, is anger. Yeah. <laughs> and I think a lot of the times when I speak to people, they're angry at themselves or they're yeah. angry at the environment or they're angry at the world. Yeah. I guess that's one reflection I've had from this conversation. Yeah. So I don't know if you'd agree. Yeah. There is way too much anger, mate. And there's, you've tapped into two things there. One is a culmination of good practices will make you a better human being. Just one is a good start. But that behavior, like our brain, it's neuroplasticity, we can program it. Like we can. And when one of your practices becomes quite straightforward, then it might be time to add another. And depending on how you work as a human being, you can add five and they might all stick. But from what I've seen over the years of coaching people, they won't. So you're right in that we need to build up little things. We need to be conscious of our behavior and reflect on it. Think about what you did. If you're trying to be a better person, think about what you did today that was that you defined as being a better person. So one of the things, and, and it leads into anger, is actually just being nice to everyone you see. So when I walk into the building, I greet the guy downstairs nicely. I greet you guys nicely. End of the day, just take stock of how many people you've spoken to that day and did you greet all of them nicely? You might, it depends on what, where you work, how you work. Even if you're working online, Zoom call, did you start that Zoom call in a nice way? I got here, you guys gave me great energy, we've had a nice chat. So all of these things sort of bubble up but on, or, or add up, but only if we reflect on them in the right way and understand that we're doing them right. Then it comes to anger. <laughs> anger and aggression are somehow how we react to everything for a lot of people. And a lot of people seem to buzz off, off, off. I've seen scenarios and we've all seen them. And trust me, I, I'm no, <laughs> I'm as bad as anyone else. Like, you know, like I have those moments, but more and more, and maybe it's a thing of age. It's like you realize that reacting to a situation with anger and aggression never, ever solves it. So if you can take one thing from the show, make a note every day of any scenario, whether you've spoken it or whether you've just felt it, that made you feel angry and ask yourself what I said earlier, why? Why did it make you angry? If someone listens to my show and does one thing, then it's cool, you know? And I also say one, one small caveat is we're talking about a lot of things. Don't go and try and do everything that we spoke about. Neither you two nor anyone listening. Pick one or two things, what we were just saying there at the end, pick one or two things and just build them into a daily practice. I, th I think, I think for me personally, like I've taken so much, but yeah. what, what really um, struck me was, and I feel like I do have direction in my life and something that yeah. I'm going for, but the idea of really writing it down, what is the mission? What, yeah. what is, what is the, the vision? What is the mission? What is the values? Yes. And, and just having them, and then we spoke about it last, last week, to be like, well, and do you live them? Yeah. Do you live those values on, the, on day in, day out? And yeah, I'm, I'm sort of looking forward to experimenting with that one yeah we do it with 
That's fine, but it's quite it's quite good fun. Hopefully, hopefully maybe man, you think I'll finally join the inner fight and I'll uh, let's see. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be wearing the shirt <laughs> <laughs> with the nice muscles down at the <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much, guys. No, thanks for the question, sir. Awesome. Thank you for joining us. We will be back very soon with another installment of the Routine Podcast. If you have any feedback or would like to chat about anything at all, please uh, get in get in contact via Instagram or um, you can contact me through through email, laith at rockpool.co, um, where we'd love to hear from you. Uh, we're also up and running as a, as a company, fully fledged, so you can find all of uh, your world-class personal care needs at rockpool.co. Thank you so much and talk to you soon.